Good morning. I can't tell you how awesome it is to be here. I turned to Zibby during, well, right at the beginning of worship. And I said, I've been waiting 40 years for this. Because um, 40 years ago, which of course I was only 12. <laughs> my, we were in college and a new thing was happening in America. Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopal, you name it, Catholics. We're all experiencing this fresh thing that we all take for granted today. And when I went to Old Roberts University, I was coming from a little town in North Carolina. I didn't know anything but that little town. And, uh, and it, was, it was people like this. And see, Jeff was, you know, he was in the same boat I was in. But Jeff came with a burning heart and desire to lead us into a deeper place in worship, which we, I had no clue of. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting because we've had very little contact. Carol's had more contact with the family than I have. We've had very little contact over the years. But we were actually on staff together at ORU. And, um, but all of these years, if, if the name Jeff Ling was mentioned. It was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, and so it just, I can't tell you how excited it is for me to be here today. I know it has something to do with nostalgia, but it also brings me back to a place that I know that I never left after that. And we're still in that place of chasing after God's presence, allowing him to chase after us, and teaching us how to chase after his mission. Now we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, the video you just saw, we put together basically just to give you an idea of why India. Now I'm not here really to talk about India or the ministry today. It, it, it'll come into play a little bit because you'll hear a testimony or two. But um, I'll just tell you this. Um, this ministry which now is having a huge impact in India. In India is... Um, is one of the most unreached places. At the same time, there's a mighty movement happening that cannot be stopped. Persecution or no persecution. And, and much of this, I'm going to say, uh, I'm biased because I'm a part of this ministry now that I've been dabbling around with since about 2010 as a pastor. And uh, But two years ago, I transitioned uh, our church to one of my men, and, uh, and I went full-time uh, with a heart, just do my part to help fulfill the Great Commission. And so I jumped in the boat with HBI, which is in India, and America, it's called HBI Global Partners. Now, the story, though, is of a teenager in the early 40s who was Hindu and had no knowledge of Christ and was bound in his own guilt and shame. And God sent a missionary to his community who he never met. He just heard some noise and sent someone to go hear what was going on. And he came back with that missionary's Bible. And this young man, well, I'm not going to tell you the story because then you won't read the book. So this book, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do it's free. 
there are three of them up here, and I will leave it to anybody who will promise that they'll read it and then pass it on to somebody else, okay? And so you can read. It's a great, if you like missionary stories, you're going to love this one. It's an easy read, and it's just a fascinating story of how Jesus reaches in. Um, that, that young man and that missionary never met, and, I'm, and they're both in heaven now. That missionary never knew, never knew the impact he had this young boy's life who now is in heaven, but his son took the ministry, and now there are actually over 11,000 churches throughout India because of what that missionary did by walking into that community. He didn't, he didn't even know, never knew the impact of it. All right, so these books, anybody who will take it, read it, and pass it on, okay? All right. Um, so... Um, who knows Carol, my wife? Yeah, well, once again, I'm in a place where I'm Carol's husband, my children's father, and my grandchildren's grandfather, right? Um, Carol and I have been married, it will be 42 years this July. And um, we've been in pastoral ministry most of our lives. And two years ago, as I said, transitioned the church. It was really somewhat out of holy frustration. I'd been on these missions trips. I'd come back. I would see what God was doing on the other side of the world, wondering why that particular thing wasn't happening here. Even though God's doing some great things in America. Don't, let's not put that aside. But we need something that looks a little more like the New Testament. And... Uh, what I saw in India was, it was like I was living the New Testament every time I went. And I would go and not just hang around at headquarters, but go out to some of the remote areas, hang around people who'd never seen a white person before. I signed autographs. I was a rock star. Um, and uh, <laughs> with kids at a high school. And um, the principal tried to stop it. You know, said, no, 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 this is really cool. <laughs> you know, let them do it. And, uh, but uh, my eyes have been opened, and I came back just really struggling with vision for our church, and I'd never struggled with that before. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the vision's for another man. You need to shift gears. And I did, and we went through a transition period. Uh, the whole thing took about 20 months, and I passed, literally passed a baton in a Sunday evening service. And then I let go. And I walked away, jumped, I mean, with Peter, walked out on the water. And we've seen God's faithfulness. It hasn't been easy. It's been hard. But we've seen God's faithfulness in just such, such powerful ways. Um, but the most, the most significant thing that has happened is how God has changed our own hearts and lives through the process. So what I want to do um, today is uh, we're going we're gonna to go over a scripture in just a few minutes that had been read earlier. Uh, Carol, uh, when we first um, got married, well, actually, when we, the day we were engaged, uh, I, I said to her, we kind of had this discussion that was leading into a moment of, are we getting engaged? It was kind of like that. So I stopped her and I said, you know, 
Carol, I said, uh, I said, you need to realize, you know, before we do this, you need to realize, I mean, we may end up in Africa, you know. And Carol being the, the woman of God that she was and knowing the scripture so well, stood there like uh, Ruth and said, wherever you go, I'll go, she said. And today, after the places we've been, and I've taken her to India a couple of times, she tells people, I lied, I lied. <laughs> I don't want to go everywhere he goes. <laughs> I have, but she has gone, and, uh, and God's really used her in tremendous ways. She really doesn't like to fly, and she's at least once a month on an airplane. But, uh, but God has really used my wife in incredible ways. Um, but when we planted this last church um, in 2006, it was the second church I planted, and we were in Buffalo, New York. Um, I knew by this time, this was, uh, you know, a little further on in life, and I knew by this time that I could ask God for some fresh things. And I said, Lord, where on the planet uh, do you want me to roll up my sleeves? Where on the planet do you want me to roll up my sleeves? Now, this is, this is the question I want you to ask today. And what I'm going to tell you is that the answer is, you know, right there in the Scripture, and we'll see it in just a minute. But it's a question that God loves. He loves that prayer. He will answer that prayer. Where on the planet Today and tomorrow for the rest of my life, where do you want me to have my greatest impact? And um, about three years after that, because we'd, you know, we'd been involved in missions, and we'd given money, and we took mission trips. But, and by the way, awesome, you're going to Columbia. Who's going to Columbia? Raise your hand. Woo, that's awesome. And so I love mission trips. In fact, I think every person should go on one. Because you gain a different worldview. You come back a changed person. You understand the world from a different perspective. Did you know that one-seventh of the world lives in slums? Not poverty. Slums. One-seventh of the world. You know what that means? That means that when God sees the world, He sees something completely different than we see. His heart's wrapped around the whole thing. And so, about three years after I prayed that prayer, I'm trying to get these two guys together. One of them is Carol's cousin, and they're both kind of city-reaching guys. And so I was trying to get them together. And so one day I got an email from Danny, her cousin, said, Hey, Craig, that guy you wanted me to meet, is his name thus and so? And I said, yeah, I answered yes. He says, I'm sitting across the table from him in Chennai, India. And I, I, at the moment, there was this download moment, you know, one of those things where you go, is this God? And later you realize it was. And God was speaking to me and just said, you're going to sit at that table. This is the answer to your prayer. And so a year, within the year, my, uh, one of my daughters and I went on a trip with Danny to um, India, and that was the beginning of a shift in my life. Been on eight trips, sometimes as many as five and six weeks at a time. I'm going again in August. That'll be my ninth. And, uh, and each time I went, 
I would ask. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a missionary. Uh, One day I wanted to give my whole savings account that my parents had told me to save for college. I wanted to give the whole thing to a missionary. And my mother wouldn't let me. And to this day, she whines about it. Why didn't I let you do that, you know? And uh, so, but that was my heart. I didn't even want to be a pastor. I'm not still sure that I do, to be honest with you, but that was a joke. (laughs) Um, And, uh, but, uh, but I, and I majored in social work. And so my heart was missions. And um, uh, so every time I would go, I would ask the leader, could I, I would ask him for a next step. Can I, can I get away from the headquarters? Can I go to this state? Can I go to these people? Can I go see this? Can I go do that? And he would let me. And so I, I got to this place where I was rather, uh, uh, I didn't realize it, but it was having a huge effect on me. And God was in fact taking me to a place in my life that would answer that question in ways I never thought would happen. And so what I want to do is I want to help us answer that question today of, Lord, where on the planet can I have the greatest impact? Where can I roll up my sleeves? Today, tomorrow, the next day, next year. And so let's look at Acts uh, 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Jesus answered the question before you pray it. Really, what prayer is, is it brings us into an alignment with what God's already thinking. That's what prayer is. And you just start where you are. Sometimes in prayer, you have to be very honest and gritty about where you really are And you may ask for something that God may not even want to give you, but what He'll do with it is once you start asking Him and you're in His presence, He'll start, you know, cleaning that question up. He'll clean the desire up. He'll help you. You know, I challenge you. Ask Him for something that you know you really want, but you know that you shouldn't have it. Because He said to ask and you will receive. But see, by the time you receive it, it's going to be something that God really wants you to have that's going to be far greater than the thing you originally asked for. Okay, and so ask the question. And what he does is he takes us in our prayer life and he leads us to this place where we're in an alignment with what he's thinking and what he's doing. That's what he does. And so he's already answered the question. But we have to get into the place of seeking, asking, desiring. Our heart has to has to really drink in what he wants us to do and be. And so Jesus said it. These are the last words of Jesus before he ascended. This is the mission being stated uh, in his last few words before he ascends to the Father. Jesus' first words to his disciples were, uh, what is it that you want? That That was his first words to the two guys following him after they left John the Baptist. What is it? that you want. See, he keyed right into what is the desire? What are you after? Because I'm going to help you find the right thing. But what are you chasing? What are you after? And so his last words were the answer to the question. You will, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, um, the, uh, what, what I believe that Scripture says, and we're not 
I have a whole theological presentation that I will not make today. But I believe it boils down to this, that the vision of Christ is to cover the earth with a life-giving church. That's what he's after. It's not just a proclamation of the gospel to every person that they might hear it. It is a demonstration of the gospel, of the kingdom, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14. When he said, you know, the, uh, and then the end will come, he said uh, uh, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to the whole world, then the end will come. What Jesus is after is a demonstration of the witness of who He is and who God is. God is actually, and we talk about God's glory. I believe that the thing that God is really after is He's really after revealing Himself. That's what He's doing. He is revealing Himself. And He created us and then recreated us in in Christ that we might be the conduits through which the very presence of Christ would reveal the character, the nature of who God is. That's why the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit of God, God's fruit will be seen in you as the Holy Spirit teaches us how to live that way. We are revealing the character and nature of God. Go read Ephesians 3.10. You're going to find out that and read, read the verses leading up to it because Paul's talking about reaching the world, the Gentiles, with the gospel. But then he, he, he makes a statement in Ephesians 3.10 that says that we are actually, that through the church, the wisdom of God will be revealed to the principalities and powers. That we're on a stage right now on planet Earth. And we are demonstrating the kingdom of God, not only to those who have not yet heard or know of. We're demonstrating to principalities and powers. He didn't say good or evil. I'm taking it's both. Angels are longing to look into. Lucifer was one of those who didn't get it. And a third of the angels went with him. And there's a reason that God didn't squish out Satan and the third in the beginning. He had them hanging around because he had something to show them who he is. Lucifer didn't know who he was or he would have never tried to become like him and say that he was equal to. God's revealing himself and he's doing it through us. It's a powerful thing and we can't take it lightly. And I believe that the vision of Christ is actually to cover the earth, every corner, every piece of the planet, with a demonstration of Himself. So that's, it's the church, it's the community of faith, it's the people of God. When, when Bob, the reason I locked into Bobby Gupta, who is now the leader of this ministry, when, when he said, uh, what will India look like when the Great Commission is fulfilled? And his description of it was a church of every thousand people, you know. And I, and I, I caught it because I already knew it in my heart. This, I already believed this. But I thought, that's it. We've got to think about what Jesus is actually after. He's actually after every, on every location on the planet a confrontation with evil where a, where a decision has to be made, yes or no. That's what has to happen. And not everybody's going to say yes. 
and much persecution will happen in the process. But Jesus is after covering the earth with a life-giving church. There's one right there. I preached there. It's right next to the Himalayas. If you go to the edge of that hill and look to the right on a clear day, you'll see the Himalayas. And that, that guy, he's about 35 years old, pastoring that church, and that's his clothes hanging out there getting dried. And that's a Sunday, by the way. Okay, talking about having your laundry hanging out in front of everybody. And so that guy is so motivated, and he's been persecuted. That guy is so motivated that he is... He, we, we, we pulled him into the team and said, you start training others. He has the vision. Okay, I'm, I don't have much time. I want to give you five quick words out of that verse that maybe you've left behind. I quoted this verse in Vacation Bible School. First word is but. Yeah. But. Every time you quote this verse without looking at the scripture, you don't even use this word. You miss it completely. It's the first word in the verse. You shall receive power is what we say. But the first word is actually but. That, that but is actually a conjunction with what's being said before. Actually in the new, no, in the New American Standard, it's one sentence. And Jesus said, uh, when they asked him the question, is this when the kingdom is going to be restored at, and, and, and Jesus said, it's not for you to know times or seasons. The Father has in his own authority. But what Jesus was saying was, you're focusing on the wrong thing. And, and if you'll read those verses that were read this morning, you'll see the words kingdom, authority, power. And see, it all connects together. They're different Greek words. But Jesus, what he was saying to them was, you're looking for a kingdom that actually I'm trying to tell you is going to be in you. It was with you. It has been with you. But this kingdom is going to be in you. And that kingdom, it's, it's a kingdom that operates from the inside out, not just from a positional place, you know, of authority on earth. It's going to operate from the inside out. What I want you to focus on is carrying out this mission with that kingdom authority. That's what he was saying. So, but, and people come to me now and they want to talk eschatology, and I've studied it fairly well, and I have thoughts about it that probably blow people away, but I don't even get into it with them. They come to me, people will say, what do you think about this? And, and my answer now is, but. And I one guy looked at me and he said, uh, <laughs> you know, what do you mean? I said, but. I said, Jesus said, it's not for you to know times or seasons, but this is what we ought to be thinking about. Then he's, the second word is you. Um, the question is, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Question is, are you the you in that verse? Do you see that? That you are the you. That it's your responsibility. That it's on you to walk this out. I sat across from a young lady and I shared my faith with her. This was many years ago and I was shaking and I was afraid and, and she could tell it. And, and I even told her I'm nervous to even share this with you and I shared her my story. And she looked at me, she was not a believer whatsoever. I knew that. And she said to me, Why? She, said, she started tearing up 
That was so beautiful. Why are you afraid to share that? Why is that so hard for you? I was on an airplane with a guy, and I, uh, he was a little tipsy. He'd just come from Las Vegas, spring break. He was in college. His dad was this very wealthy salesman. He was going to be the greatest salesman in the world. And, and so he, <clears throat> he turned to me, and he said, what do you do? I hate that question. Because, you know, when you say, I'm a pastor, everybody changes their language. They stop talking to you. You know, it's a whole different ballgame. So I try, not to, I try not to say that. And so with him, uh, I just, I, it was a, one of those moments God just gave me. The, and I just turned to him and I said, I'll tell you what, let's play a game. I said, you try and guess what I do. I don't think you can do it. He said, oh, I'm good at this. I'll, I'm, I'm a salesman. I can figure you out in moments. And he looked at me, and he said, everybody's listening now because he's a little tipsy, so his voice is a little loud. And so everybody's listening. And so uh, he, he said, uh, you, you are, you're a businessman. Well, I'm, I'm not actually a businessman, but I do have to operate the business of what I do, and so kind of I am. Well, you're an educator. Well, not the way you would think of it, but actually I do educate. It is something that I do regularly. Oh, I know. Let's see. You are a, and he went into, you're a counselor. Well, I, no, not actually a professional counselor, but I counsel. You're a doctor. No, I, no but I, I'm with the sick every week trying to help them. And so, and you know, this is the pastor's life. It's, it's go look it up in the dictionary. Everything is what a pastor is. And so he, every time he asked me, I would say, well, not really, but yeah, I kind of, you know, and finally he says, I know you're into religion. Oh man, it was like he had, God had just put a silver platter out there, you know. And I said, nah, I said, I hate religion. And he turned and said, you hate religion? I said, yeah, I hate religion. Now you, you understand where I'm coming from, right? And so I said to him, I said, uh, I said, are you, are you into religion? He said, well, kind of, kind of into Jesus, kind of into Christian science, you know. And I said, uh, you know, I've looked at this whole thing about Jesus. I said, you can't be just a little bit into Jesus. I said, that's dangerous territory. In fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father by, by me. And we, we started talking. And then finally, I laid my card in front of him. You know, he said, I knew you were. You know. I said, now wait just a minute. Here's what you said. And I said, uh, you know, you, you can, I love Jesus. I said, and you can too. Now, he didn't pray the prayer, but he sure got the seed, right? It's our responsibility. You are the you in this verse. The next uh, word that you may miss is the word, be my witness. Don't just talk it. You've got to live it. The problem is, we tend to live it when we're with each other, but where we go and work and have relationships. It takes a long people to figure out. It takes a long time for them to see the bee. Which means that we may have to hang out a little longer and we may have to be a little more open. Because the intent is for the world to see the community that we are. That's why I like what Jeff is doing with some studies that are going on at Starbucks and at this place and at that place. But that's not that's the way we live every day. We've got, to, we've got to come out of our shells and out of these four walls. All right, the last two words are both and. Now, you may miss this. Both in Jerusalem. And if you look at 
the original, and you'll find this specifically in the New American Standard, it says it this way, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. It doesn't say, uh, here's the priority, let's do it at home first, and then let's do it here, and then let's do it here. Or does it say, choose one, you know, it's this one or this one or this one or this one. God has actually called us to multitask, okay? And that we can actually do all of it at the same time. So we got to get out of this place where, well, how can we go to Columbia or how can we go to India or anywhere else when we haven't even reached our own community? That's the thought out there. We got to get that out of our brains. God's saying, I'm bigger than that. You can think more than just one part of this. You're actually responsible for the whole deal, or at least the part that I assign you to. All of it. And, 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 both and. So, uh, let, me, let me close with a couple of quick stories. Um, there's a, um, one of our pastors named Sim, Simhadri, if I'm pronouncing it right. Simhadri uh, planted a church. This is what we train in India. When you plant a church, look at five other four or five other communities around you and start planting churches in those at the same time that you're planting one here. We think outward, outward, outward. Never just for here. It's here and beyond. And so he, he's planting his church here and he goes into the next community and just openly starts sharing his faith, which you know many would not do. And as he openly shared his faith, the... Um, this guy comes up to him. Is basically there. They wouldn't call it mafia, but that's what it was. This mafia who kind of controlled the little town, village. Came to him, and he tied him to a tree, and he left him there all day, and said, "Don't you ever come back." I'm going to ask you a question today. How far will you go with this? So two weeks later, of course, he goes back. And he shared his faith in the streets. And this guy walks up to him with a gun, puts it to his head, and says, I'm going to kill you. And when he did, this guy obviously was prayed up because he stood there without any tension whatsoever and just smiled at this guy. And the guy was so taken back from it, he dropped his gun and ran. Two weeks later, the pastor is in his village, in his home. There's a knock at the door. He opens it, and there stands this mafia leader from the community. And he says, please come and pray for my son. He's dying. And he goes with him, prays for his son. And this story like this happens so often in India where the son was in that case was immediately healed and this young leader the mafia guy not only came to Christ but his his 12 if you will I think it was 13 disciples or followers that were a part of he led them all to Christ 
and we had an immediate new church plant in that community. See? 197 days ago, a young man did something that ended up being very controversial. You may have seen it on the news. He discovered a place on the planet where the gospel had never been preached and where you really weren't allowed to go. But he had read this scripture in Revelation about the fact that every tongue, every tribe, every people, every nation would be represented in the heavens. And so he spent years of his life, five years to be exact, studying these people and working with training. And he went to this place where when others went, they were always killed or had to, they were chased out, had to run back to their boats. Anybody heard the story yet? His name is John Chow. John is a graduate of ORU. Very controversial of what he did. John actually went and he went on the island and they threw a spear at him, hit his Bible. He gets back to the main boat and he starts to leave and he says, I'm going to stay and pray. And they pray all night. And John writes a letter to his parents the night before and here's what it says. It says, Brian and Mary, that's his brother and sister, and mom and dad. You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he has called you to, and I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. Don't recover my body. This is not a pointless thing. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand. And I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 through 10 states. I love you all, and I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. And that's exactly who he was. Right or wrong in our eyes. John knew what he was doing. He knew why he was doing it. It was the pure thing. But John did something that we often do not do. John went back. Semhadre went back. Paul the Apostle in his first missionary journey went in a circle. He was almost back home. But he turned around all those places that had persecuted him. He went back to establish churches. How far will you go, will I go, to be a part of fulfilling the mission? Because that's what we've been called to. Where on the planet? Today, Lord, when I go out to lunch, when I go to work tomorrow with my family, with the people I work with, where today can I roll up my sleeves? And then, Lord, this nation and what we need here, and Father, the world, where? On the other side of this world, are you calling us to have an impact?